Yup, yup, yup. Yup. Yup, 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 yup. Hello, family. Welcome to the final episode of 2020 for the Brent Pella Show. If you guys have been rocking with me for the whole time, I'm honestly surprised. Uh, you're likely new or <laughs> you came in in the past couple episodes. But anybody who's been with me since day one, that's crazy. Uh, thank you. Also, I am a little uh, uh, nervous for both your mental health and mine um, because I, I <laughs> because of the shit that we've, we've been through on this podcast. Uh, guys, thank you for rocking. I, I started this podcast back in March of 2020. I had planned to launch it ever since the November of 2019. It had nothing to do with COVID. Um, I was planning the release in January of 2020. I was getting the artwork done in February, getting the name and the channel set up. And and then in March, the first episode, and uh, it, it, the first episode came out on my birthday, March 16th, the day I turned 17. And um, it was really cool. And, and it gave me something to do during COVID. It gave me like an outlet that I really needed during the uh, first stages of quarantine because stand-up got ripped away and you know everybody was home for those first like mo- for that first month or two at least in LA in my world and didn't really know what was going on there wasn't much information um, we were all kind of like just nervous about talking to anybody else or seeing anyone else I was shooting a bunch of videos just in my living room um, and I didn't have stand-up. I didn't have an outlet for writing or for being creative on the fly, which stand-up and sketch and improv usually does for me. And so the podcast was a, a beautiful way to kind of do that and just get some thoughts out there. So thank you for listening to me shit out of my mouth for the past couple of months. It's been really fun. Uh, I am looking forward to next year, to 2021, uh, in early 2021, to leveling up. We're going to level up the show. I'm getting new mics. I'm getting some new arms so it doesn't look like I'm talking into a fucking robot dick over here. Um, So so we're going to level up the the quality of the audio. Um, And then ideally within the first month or two, I will be... uh, incorporating uh, a studio aesthetic. Uh, So I'm not going to be shooting at my dining room table with a bunch of weird shit behind me. By the way, somebody asked about this shoe. This shoe on my wall that you see in the YouTube videos, this is a Kobe shoe. These are the, uh, what is this, the 9s or the 11s? Which one is this? Or the 10s? No, this isn't the 10s. This has got to be the 9s. This is a Kobe 9. Um, This was a limited color grade, color colorway. It was called like Merlot or something. I got it, I believe, at Kobe Camp when I coached at Kobe Camp. Um, and uh, it, Kobe was, I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast enough, uh, probably the biggest inspiration um, or influence that I've ever had in my entire life for a million different reasons, most of which can be found in episode 24, where uh, we, we I did a documentary-style podcast into the world of, of, of people who have been positively influenced by Kobe Bryant, like myself. And there are a bunch of awesome people in that episode. You're going to hear a highlight of one of them in this show. Um, anyways, that's why I keep it on the wall. It's an homage, and it's also just a fucking dope-ass shoe. They're the most comfortable basketball shoes I've ever played in in my life. And um, I look forward to wearing them the day I kick Jay's, Jake Paul's ass on the basketball court. Uh, so anyways, uh, I'm looking forward to leveling up the podcast in 2021. The podcast is not something 
I've, I've really been like super passionate about the same way I'm passionate about the, the videos and the uh, characters and impressions that, that I put out online and, and um, st- stand up. Uh, but I definitely enjoy doing the podcast. I'm having fun with it. I'm having fun growing. I think when I level up too, it'll also level up my, um, my sense of uh, commitment to it and, and, and it'll, it'll help me bring another level of creativity and, and, and attention and focus to it. So that'll be fun. And it's fun to to see something grow, you know. It, since launching in March, I've gotten a thousand subscribers, and that's a thousand people that have liked what I'm doing enough to hit the subscribe button, and that's pretty cool. And even if we're getting five hundred to a thousand listens per episode, that's nothing. But it's also like, who cares about the number? Because we're just chilling. You know what I mean? Anybody who listens to this knows that you're coming here to just kind of hang out for a little bit. We're just vibing, you know. So thank you for vibing. Say, I, I I really mean that. Um. So that's that for for the upgrades of the podcast. This episode, I would like to take a look back at some of my favorite moments from the show from the year 2020. Um, So you're going to hear a couple different clips during this episode from my favorite uh, uh, moments of the show. First and foremost, an awesome clip with my good buddy, J.P. Sears. You guys know who he is. He's probably the reason a lot of you found out about me um, because we've done so many videos together. He truly is exactly what you would think he is. Um, Just a a, a terrible, disgusting human being that hates anybody that literally isn't himself. If you are not J.P. Sears, then he hates you. Um, No, just kidding. He's the man, dude. He's awesome. He's my brother, and I love him so much. I love him to death. I look up to him in so many different ways. I look down upon him and spit on him and uh, for so many reasons. Uh, I love JP. I- I'm sure you guys do too. And hopefully after this clip, you'll love him even more. Um, so please enjoy this clip from uh, episode... Oh man, what episode was it? <laughs> so, so I can let you know uh, what episode it was. Episode 25. This clip is from episode 25 with my man, JP. But it's it's like blowing my mind recently. You've gone deeper than I, and I've got something to say. Yet, first, if we were in a simulation, find out that's true. Yeah, what's on the what or who is on the other side controlling the simulation? Um, I think it's a different version of us. Okay, I, I think it's us. Uh, are they super far in the future? Okay, so more consciously evolved. Would um, we say that? Yeah, I think it it would either be us incredibly far in the future doing either studies or like, you know, cuz think think of what we what do, what do we make simulations for now, right? We make simulations for entertainment, mm-hmm. the, the Sims or video games, those are simulations, right? Or we make simulations for scientific study or training, training. flight tra- flight simulation, right. race car. Or even we might make a simulation for uh possibly like agriculture like mm-hmm. like to learn or to study plants or to see if these types of things would work in this environment and so we create these mini modules of existence and i think uh it could be like a a, a very far advanced version of us doing that um or it could be something that we can't even that we can't even imagine yeah. Cause like what what if what if we are like an agricultural byproduct, right? What if what they really want is like at the center of the world or like at the is in the black hole of our universe 
and like earth is just a byproduct. It doesn't even fucking matter. We're an accident, right? Yeah. And what this other civilization really wants is the black hole that's in the middle of our, of our universe. And that's where they get their energy from. So they create different universes so that they can use the energy from that black hole. And every once in a while, fucking life appears. And we're like a, an ant. Yeah, it's like you know? flushing the toilet, a water droplet spurs out, and there's a little bit of life that happens. There's bacteria in the bacteria, water. Bacteria, yeah. It's like... We might be uh, the bacteria of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that water droplet wasn't intended to happen. It's like, oh, something more important happened. Like, well, who cares? Yep. So, yes. And on that, what I heard you say is like, that's at the core of so much spiritual philosophy. So many different traditions. And I'm not talking about religion here. I'm pretentiously separating spirituality and religion. Sure. But so much spiritual philosophy says the same thing as simulation theory. It's just when you hear like a Silicon Valley fucking talk about it, they're talking about it in the context and suggesting a context that would have to do with electronics. So you start thinking video games, you're plugged into something, they're fucking like watching you. Controlling. So at a literal level, it looks different. But when you look beyond the literal context, it's the same. So from a spiritual philosophy, they would suggest everything here is just an illusion. Like relativity, time, space, motion, all illusions of your imagination. And what's really happening is there is an absolute higher consciousness. In this case, maybe the smarter versions of ourselves deep into the future. But spiritual philosophy would say there is an absolute higher consciousness projecting itself into this experience because in the absolute higher consciousness, it can know itself, but it can't experience itself because there's no relativity there. So it's just like if you were in a room never touching anything other than yourself, you could know it, but you can't, you can't experience it. Right. So from a spiritual perspective, life is a simulation and that doesn't make it any less sacred. It means it's more sacred because it's finite. We have this gift of forgetfulness. We forget where we came from. Whoever is simulating us, higher consciousness, God, higher self, we forget about that so that this can seem very real. That is a gift. And the more we remember that we agreed to forget, the more this forgetful experience starts to feel like a blessing, not a curse. We start to take it less seriously. We learn to laugh. We learn to enjoy. We, we have a sense of purpose and like, hey, there's other people down here who forgot and we want to help wake them up because the higher consciousness flows through us a little bit more. Thank God we're in this simulation. And one day we're going to wake up. We'll call it certain death. We're going to die. Mm-hmm. But when we wake up, we realize, oh, we leave the simulation and we're born into a greater life that we've always been in this whole time. Mm. That's like the spiritual philosophy, which I just listened to that. I'm like, that sounds like simulation theory. So it's like, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. We're in simulation. It's just, I would use spiritual words to describe it, not video game Silicon Valley jargon. Sure. Do you think, do you vibe with that idea that upon death, you enter this other realm of energy or consciousness that continues on 
above us? Yeah, like I above I, us, but you know, I can't speak with certainty. All I, my opinion. What, yeah, what, what worked feels... with plant medicine? So I'll play that fucking card obnoxiously. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think we wake up to a realm we've been in this whole time, and, and it's us being in a more expansive realm doesn't mean we're not here. I think we're there simultaneously. So, you know, if you just think like, ah, my foot fell asleep. Like I sat on it too yeah. much. Like, yeah, your foot's asleep and other parts of you are way fucking awake. Right. So our awareness just leaves our sleepy, tingling foot. And now it's like in a, the more awakeful realms, if you will, that we've always been in. Mm. And that everybody's always in. It's just a matter of where's their awakefulness. Yeah. Is it in the sleeping foot or is it in the live beating heart? Right. Right. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? We it's... have the rest of that bag, bro. We're going we to the... solve this problem. <laughs> I'll have a tiny bit more. Um, I won't not. Let's have a tiny bit more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Do you want a mushroom shaman? Yeah, sure. I'll shaman it. Let's see. YouTube might kick us off. Um, no, Those these are, are portobellos. Dude, I am sweating. I am too. We turned the AC off. Boy, uh, I think I'm sweating just from what you just said. Oh. I was very dry 90 seconds ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you made me sweat, bro. Um, no, I think uh, that's... You want to split this guy? Yes. I think um, I think that's, uh, that's a really... Uh, and, and that's something I've thought of a lot too that's another scary thing it's a huge fear for people the fear of death right and it's a huge fear for people to even think of it's like the thought like when you really think cheers Cheers. when you when you really think how cliche are we now (laughs) philosophizing about death eating more (laughs) mushrooms when you really think about the prospect of death and how finite life is that's scary it's terrifying you felt that before a lot of people feel that yeah. and and the immediate response is to like oh, i don't want to think about that I don't, I don't want to talk about that yeah you know um but i think accepting it for me at least like and i still get that that sensation sometimes you know you feel it in your chest that like it's it's like a white hot like, uh, you know, sensation that happens when yeah. something really scary happens, you know? Um, but I think accepting it makes, like you just said, it just makes life more meaningful. Once you know that there's an end, yeah, you know that there's an end and, and, uh, it, it makes everything that's happening now just have so much more purpose. This next clip is from a conversation I had with a good friend of mine, Nikki Howard. She is a hilarious comedian. You've probably seen me in her videos, seen her in mine. Um, she's awesome, dude. She's the, one of the funniest people that I know. She's absolutely hilarious writer and performer, and we got along great. We make a bunch of cool shit together. So check her out, Nikki Howard, and uh, enjoy this clip from episode 21 of The Brent Pella Show with Nikki Howard. <laughs> Of magnesium. Well, of everything. See, these are the things people don't tell you as a child. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know how much of this is gonna, might be too too much information, but as a lady, uh-huh. you have to go to get a pap smear, which is like they stick a co- cotton swab in oh. your lady parts. Yeah. And then, so my doctor was like, did you 
get one this year. And I was like, I don't understand why we can do COVID tests. You know, they have at home COVID tests. Why can't I do that at home and send it in? Yeah. And he was like, well, there's so many things that could happen and change. Like your cervix could just drop. And I was like, whoa, what? What? I don't I don't even know what a cervix is. (laughs) I know I have one and it can just drop out of my vagina at any moment. And I looked at him and I was like, wait, what? He's like, I was like, it just drops. He's like, it can happen. And I was like, just for no reason. I could just be walking around. I looked at the nurse. I was like, have you heard about this? Like, this is just, and I'm, I've just been walking around willy nilly. And a part of you could have fallen out. My cervix could just drop on the ground. Like, I, I was, so, I walked out of the room and I literally shouted to the nurse. I was like, you know, your cervix could just drop. Like You're the just lady running at around the desk. telling, telling women no, everywhere. I feel like they should know. <laughs> Ladies, and he's like, it, it happens mostly after you have kids. I was like, well, you just seal the seal the deal for me. <laughs> I certainly won't be doing that. If my cervix can just drop out of my body, no one told me. That's like, insane. What the fuck? Oh I, first, I can't pee anywhere I want. Second, my <laughs> cervix can just drop. Like, I really feel like I got Dude, I got fucked. I do. I don't understand women's bodies i don't I, I really either. don't understand men's bodies either but women's bodies are such a maze it's so weird it's weird. i don't get it yeah. i feel so cheated <laughs> i feel upset so much because i'm like i don't it could be so easy yeah like it just sometimes i like get so horn i'm like feel like most of the time i'm like one of the boys you know what i mean sure, but sure. then like once a month I get crazy and yeah. I know like my brain is still this. I'm like, you're being insane, you're, but I you're can't tur- stop. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stop. It's like you're turning into a werewolf. Uh, yeah. It yeah. really is. I'm, I'm, I'm turning into a werewolf once a week right. and I just go, I'm like, I'm aware I'm being insane, <laughs> but like I be better. <laughs> and then it's like, I like phase out of it. <laughs> it's like, what is that? What happened? I don't know, dude. That's it's just like, can you imagine? You imagine just you start crying for no for no reason. Reason. I yeah. couldn't find a highlighter, and I broke down. No way. I bro- over a highlighter, and then I found it, and I cried harder. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm so happy I found you. It makes no sense, and I, I'm so aware of it. You know what I mean? That I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> it's so upsetting. Now, like I said before, one of my biggest influences in life uh, has always been Kobe Bryant. I, I coached at his basketball camp um, in college and for a couple years after college. I got to be around him for a week every summer, and and I got to talk to him. I got to hang out with people that were close to him, and um, I, I had a moment with him that was really, really special. You can check that moment out in episode 24 of the show. Um, and this next conversation uh, clip that I would like to share with you guys is with NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Owens, who I know from um, playing basketball with him on weekends out here in L.A. Uh, we get a good run in on Saturdays. Uh, shout out to Rob Best, good friend of mine, too, from from Kobe Camp. Rob helped produce this episode. He helped produce episode 24, um, which features a, a variety of people that were all positively influenced by Kobe's legacy in one way or another. Um, and I highly recommend listening to it to get more in into the, the 
community of, of love and inspiration that Kobe created and also maybe to find some motivation for yourself in whatever you do. Because that Mamba mentality, man, can be applied to anything, anything you're doing. Um, so I, uh, I, I got the chance to talk to T.O. Uh, during quarantine. He was out in Florida and, and I was in L.A., so we did it over Zoom. And um, I really enjoyed talking to, talking to Terrell. And I hope you'll enjoy this clip from my conversation with Terrell Owens from episode 24. You got picked up by the Niners. He got drafted by Charlotte, traded to L.A. Did, coming into both your leagues at the same time, had you heard of him yet? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I think everybody uh, realized that he was one of those phenoms. You know, everybody obviously had so much expectations of him. Obviously, the organization, uh, you know, considering they drafted him uh, when they did. Um, and then you started to hear all the stories about, you know, what a phenomenal talent he was and how he patterned his game after Michael Jordan. And so for me, I, you know, one thing that stuck out in my mind was, I think one that early on when he was, uh, I think it was his rookie year and he was playing uh, in the game and, and they were going to him and he was taking all these shots and he was missing. He was airballed. Yeah. Against the, against the jazz. Right. It was one of those moments. It's like, you know, you really didn't know what the future held for him. And it was like, man, you know, in what, you know, me watching the game, it's like, man, there's so much tremendous pressure on him just as a high schooler. And they're looking for him to take game winning shots. And the thing was, he wasn't shying away from taking those shots. And so it's, you know, obviously you fast forward and you think about, you know, the people that critique his game and, 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 and they make such comparisons with whether it's him, Michael Jordan, or they try to rank, you know, him, Mike and, and LeBron, you know, in no particular order. But you think about how much pressure that had to be on him as a high schooler to, to not, like I said, have your team and organization look to you to take, to take those shots. And then you just have the balls enough to take them. And, you know, whether you make it or not, you're going to take it. And so for him, that was sort of like a microcosm. We saw a window, uh, a short window of, of, of who he was. Mm -hmm. And when, when you were coming up in, in your early years and, and into, your, into your career, as your career kind of mirrored his, were there moments where you would see like his highlights or, or him playing and it would, it would spark something in you? When you talk about the totality and the entirety of his career, uh, I like it because it's, 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 not, squeaky clean. it's not squeaky clean. Um, he's not perfect. And, and I like that. And, and for me, I'm the same way. I wasn't, I'm not a perfect person and we all, we all are perfect beings. Um, and you know, Kobe is a prototype, um, that, that basically everybody, as you, as you're asking me, we marveled, um, we look for, for motivation, inspiration, and just the way his, he approached the game, um, just his demeanor, um, while playing the game. These are the things that I watched, um, and these are th some of the things that I had in myself. But then when you think about tough moments that we all have as athletes and we want to push through or we find ourselves in moments um, where we're looked upon to make big plays, you kind of think back and you kind of, you know, you kind of reflect and you think about the greats that are being, that have, have we have witnessed come through in, in the most triumphant of times. And so I was the same way when I was on the football field. I knew I wasn't Kobe. I knew I wasn't Michael Jordan. Um, and I knew I wasn't Jerry Rice, who I played with, uh, my teammate. Um, but we always, you know, for me, 
I never was a high school standout. I wasn't a high school star by any means. And I'll say, I'll say the same for, for myself at the collegiate level. But once I developed that confidence, that self-confidence confidence in myself, and I saw guys that were talented and they, they elevated their, ga their games that much more. When you talk about Kobe's and the Michael Jordan's and, you know, now we're seeing what LeBron is doing. Um, you talk about most notably Michael Jordan and, and Kobe. They have that killer instinct, that mentality that you just don't see from certain athletes that we should see it from. And so, you know, that, I mean, Kobe did it for me. Michael Jordan did it for me. Um, I just saw guys that, that they, they didn't, they didn't allow their, just their athletic ability um, to just float through their years of playing. They basically pushed the envelope of what was inside their bodies. And you've heard Kobe say it many, many times, like he pushed his body to the limit. What's that like in the mind of a pro athlete to really just say, you know what, I'm not just going to coast on my talent. I need more. It's, it's similar to what, what I what I have now when I speak to, to, to kids and, and I have a clothing line and the premise and backbone of my clothing line is based on my three Ds. That's desire, dedication, and discipline. Obviously, the desire was there. We, we know that with Kobe. But in order to get to where he is now, that legacy that we, we now know of, he had to dedicate himself. And that was a level of discipline that he had to apply to his game. Uh, you talk about, you know, the, the 82 games plus the playoffs, what, how much wear and tear that is on your body. And for him to kind of, you know, obviously take care of his body um, in that aspect, to get in cold tubs, you know, make the time to, to do that, to recover. Not a, lot of, lot, not a lot of guys, not a lot of athletes are willing to go through that to become the best version of themselves. And that's what separates Michael Jordan and Kobe and the, the top two in, in ever to play the game between the next three and, 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 and on. And, you know, you talked about the, the amount of pressure that pro athletes have and, and especially that Kobe had on him when he entered the league and how that pressure really just intensified throughout his entire career. And he's getting pressure from the organization, pressure to perform well on the court, pressure to be a great businessman. But the through line for Kobe's life was always his family. And it doesn't surprise me. I mean, yes, I mean, you have to allow a person to grow up and mature and become the adult um, and the human beings that they become. And we saw that with Kobe. And we don't know what, what entails or what goes on when an athlete goes home. Um, away from, you know, what they're called their sanctuaries is, is the court or the football field or any type of sport court or whatever the surface is. We don't know what those, uh, uh, we don't know what their life is like, you know, once they leave that and then go home to be a parent, a husband, uh, or what have you. And so I'm glad that there has been a lot of light shed on who Kobe uh, was, is. I just posted, um, I posted a picture on, on Instagram just moments before we got on here. And it was, uh, it was one of the last times that I saw Kobe in person. Um, his, his daughter, um, Natalia, uh, I think she was a junior at the time. And my, uh, uh, she played at Sage Hill, volley, playing volleyball. She played at Sage Hill High School. And my daughter, who was a freshman playing on the varsity um, at Culver City High School, um, they played, uh, played a volleyball match against them. And so um, I didn't know Kobe was going to be in the building. 
Um, I was just being being a dad, um, doing something that you know I didn't have and didn't experience with my dad, but just being there to support my daughter, um, my kids, and so. Man, I walked in the gym and uh, yeah, he was him and uh, Vanessa. They were sitting up top, um, and so uh, I saw him from across the floor. I walked over and uh, man, we just we just end up talking, um, not about sports or anything, but we were just talking about our daughters and just being there and support. Yeah, the the way he carried himself with his relationships, whether they were personal or business, big or small, it, he he really gave every ounce of his energy to every relationship he kept. And I think that's something that he uh, gave to a lot of people. That's an inspiration that he gave to a lot of people. Is there anything that really stands out for you as something that you continue to take and, and, and incorporate into your own life that you feel like he was a big influence for? Um, yeah, I, I think about, you know, kind of that mentality of, you know, what Kobe would do. Just forging ahead, forging ahead moving forward, moving through things. And there's going to be, uh, it's not going to be as designed. It's not going to be as seamless as as we would like. And so, you know, for me, that's 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 how Kobe was. Um, he had such a great great gift and talent. And you know, there's a there's a statement, and I think every every great gift deserves or demands a great response. And that's really, in an essence, what Kobe did. Uh, especially for me, I wasn't I wasn't didn't have the expectations or the potential that, that Kobe had as, as an athlete. Um, but my desire, my dedication, my discipline, and guys like Kobe and Michael Jordan, um, they helped me along the way. They, they pushed me um, to, to know that there, there, there's greatness on the other, other end of mediocrity. With the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. Guys, I am lucky enough to be living in a time where people are connected in so many different ways through through comedy and entertainment, and, and it's a very collaborative environment out here in LA um, because there are so many nice people, uh, at least in my in my world, and I love that. And one of those people is Alex Hooper, who I remember seeing Alex at the first open mic I ever did in Los Angeles. I was sitting in the crowd. I was super nervous. I hadn't gone up yet. And he was on stage killing and he finished his last joke and he looked down at the host and he was like, how much time was that? And the host said three minutes exactly because you only get three minutes at, at that open mic. And Alex goes, and that's what a pro looks like. And it was funny because I thought he was like a pro dude. I was like, oh shit, this guy just nailed. He just did three minutes exactly. How did he know how to time that? Turns out he was only like a couple years into doing stand up. But uh, it, it struck me, his, his energy struck me, and he's, he's so, like, intoxicatingly fucking positive. He's an awesome dude. He had a great run on America's Got Talent, and he's one of the best roast joke comedians that I have ever met. Uh, he, he's done the Comedy Central roasts a bunch. He did the Comedy Store roasts out here in L.A. Um, 
the roast battle shows. And he had some jokes for America's Got Talent that they actually wouldn't let him say. Because his bit on AGT was to roast the judges. And they he, he wrote a bunch of jokes, and they didn't get cleared by AGT. So he came on the podcast, and he told the jokes on the podcast. And, dude, they're so funny, dude. And it's my favorite thing to watch. Like, that that dark roast humor is something I, I just can't do. I'm not good at it. But it's, like, one of my favorite things to watch. So please enjoy this clip from my conversation with my good buddy, Alex Hooper. They allow me to really be myself and they listen to my ideas. Were there any jokes that they said, ah, this is a little too far? Uh, so many. Can you say some <laughs> There's of them? So Do you many. have any yeah, that you know I mean, of? There, yeah, there's a few. Because <laughs> um, you, you did roast jokes for the judges mm -hmm. and you have to get those jokes cleared by the producers before you say them. Yeah, and not even just the producers. The, then they, then the that has to go up to the network. Yeah. So it goes through, it, I mean, it goes through probably eight to ten people that all have to sign off on this thing. Ooh. And I mean, I'll tell you how, I'll tell you how specific it is. One of the jokes that I didn't end up using was for Simon Cowell, and it was, I gotta say, your dentist is good. Your teeth are so white, they sell coffee in a poor neighborhood. <laughs> right? And... <laughs> Originally, <laughs> originally, I wrote that joke as a bad neighborhood. And they said, ooh, Alex, we cannot use the word bad neighborhood. It implies a minority neighborhood. Uh -huh. This is a very fickle climate we're in this year. And I said, okay, can I say poor neighborhood? And they were like, 100%. What? And I was like, that's Wait, worse. That's so much worse. <laughs> it's so much worse. <laughs> but to them, they don't see wow. that. They don't get it. And so, like, there's all these things where, like, I have so many examples of that. I mean, I have, like, hundreds of emails back and forth of, yeah. like, what if I word it like this? What if I do this? I will tell you my... um I'll tell you a couple more. Yeah. Um. Because this is... I love, to, I love doing this. Yeah, um, you gotta get them I, out. I had one for Terry Crews. Um... That was, uh, he grew up in Flint, Michigan, so he wouldn't feel trapped. His skin used to be white, but he drank from the tap. <laughs> and, oh, and they were like, that's, oh, no. they were like, that's really racist. And I was like, it's, <laughs> I was like a little bit, but more so it's a political statement about the fact that these people still don't have clean right, water. Right, yeah. And they were like, but are you saying that if you drink bad water, you'll turn black? <laughs> and I was like, no, you are saying that now i didn't think about don't it that put way. those words in my mouth <laughs> but that's what happens yeah. is like you tell a joke with no intention that they and then they reconstruct it to hear something completely different mm -hmm. um i really wanted to do one for heidi klum where i said heidi whatever you do just keep smiling and then everyone will forget you partied on Epstein's Island. <gasps> and they were straight up. Whoa. I told them that. And they were like, no. Oh. And, I, and, I, and I went, but you told me to make fun of their choices. You told me to stop making fun of their ethnicity and their appearances. You told me choices. And the producer is British. She goes, oh, Alex, there's more of that family-friendly pedophilia material we love so much on our show. Oh, and I was God. like, all right, fair enough. Is she on the flight logs? Mm -hmm. Fuck, dude. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. man. And then I'll give you one more. This was... That would have been brutal. This is hands down my favorite one. I fought tooth and nail to get this on TV. I gave them so many different variations of it, and eventually they said no. Um, it was for Sofia Vergara, and I said, Sofia, I loved your soda commercials. That's no joke. But I was surprised it was Pepsi. Most Colombians sell Coke. <laughs> and... 
first of all, look, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. That's a perfect <laughs> That's joke. That's an insanely perfect joke. It's a perfect There's joke. There's no fat on that joke. No. There's no fat. It, it works. can't be better. It works. So yeah. it's a double entendre. It works it for her. Rhymes. It's everything about it is yeah. is is there. And basically they came down to this. They, they said we can't generalize a stereotype about a country like that. And I was like, what, you mean that Colombia has cocaine? And they were like, yeah, Alex, we can't say that. And I was just like, what do you mean? Oh, man. I was like, I asked, I, I told, I sent him an email. I was like, ask 100 Americans one thing they know about Colombia. Cocaine. 95 will say cocaine. At least 95. The other five won't respond because they're too busy doing cocaine. <laughs> Okay. What was the question? What was the question? <laughs> Columbia, do you have more? <laughs> Another hilarious person that I've gotten the chance to know and work with a lot out here in LA is Vincent Marcus. This dude's vocal talent is insane. He is so good at doing impressions. You close your eyes, he can do 30 different people, and you'll think they're all in the room. We did an episode of the podcast together where we just riffed on impressions and he's so much better than me at all of the impressions, dude. It's so funny to just watch him, watch him go off on a, on a, on a tangent. He did Ben Shapiro in the Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro video that I did with him. He he's done. Uh, we did an Eminem versus Slim Shady battle video, which was really fun. Um, and yeah, it, that episode with Vincent Marcus was absolutely hysterical. Uh, and also he comes from a really cool background because he grew up in Texas and his father is a police officer and now he's living in LA and doing comedy. And so like the LA comedy world is very, very liberal, uh, and being raised in Texas with a police officer father, I would assume is very conservative. And, and we got into that a lot in the podcast and it was really interesting. So if you guys know Vincent Marcus, if you've ever heard of him, or if you want to learn more, go check him out. Um, and uh, enjoy this clip from my conversation with Vincent Marcus. Uh, mushroom coffee? Absolutely. Uh, what is it's it? really good. It's, it's not psychedelic mushrooms. It's, um, it has like lion's mane and chaga. Wait, just, can you say it as if Joe Rogan was saying it? <laughs> It sounds like yeah. something he would say. Yeah, it's got a... It's good for your body. <laughs> if you've never had it, you, the mushrooms, right? Think of these, these plants that grow in the ground. There's the emphasis and, on the... Uh. And you put them into your body. <laughs> and, so it sounds, it sounds like put, he could... You put the coffee into your, into your mouth, it, just your face hole. <laughs> it's, it's a hole in your face, man. <laughs> Dude, I saw that. Dude, that video did really well. I'm sorry, I'm peeking, right? I'm like, I'm going. Uh, yeah, you're fine. It's I'll, okay. I'll figure it out. It's, it, it's down good. Okay. But yeah, I saw that yeah. video of yours on on Facebook, dude. It did a uh, it popped? It popped. Um, like kind of accidentally. I did not expect it to pop like that. Hey, it it happens. Though. Which is fine. Yeah, it's great. I was like, I I I've always been trying to f find characters and impressions that aren't like yelling. Sure. All the time. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. tend to to you know. Do a lot of oh, loud yeah. people. It's really hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's and Rogan, like no nobody's done him. Of course. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and so I thought, you know, he's also like really, really mellow. He's not like some crazy wacky character guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no, it's it's funny that you, you nailed that. The whole thanks, like man. uh his body. His body. Yeah, you nailed that, dude. Thanks, bro. Um, yeah, I, I actually worked on it too. I was like practicing in my mirror for like hours nice. the past couple months. Yeah. Sick, you know, and crying. Um so, but, so yeah. you, uh, do you have like impressions that you 
I'm, this is like my podcast now. I'm like, it is. Yeah. <laughs> can you, Welcome to the Vincent Marcus show. Can you do? Uh, no. Yeah, that's, I, I like doing that. I like finding impressions that like no no one's really done. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like Eminem. Like no one's done an Eminem. No one's ever done Eminem. <laughs> you were the first. And what's crazy is you look exactly like. Yeah, him. I know. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's What's an impression that you've done that you think uh, like you kind of owned? Like no no one else really. Did that one? Oh, I'd have to say Eminem for sure. I'm you just, did. No, I'm just kidding. You did. No. Well, the I'm young kid- one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The young no, one. Slim, you did. Slim. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Slim. Yeah. Uh, I'm just. I'm just. So if yeah, I, I do an Eminem, and so does Brent. That's why this is funny. This is um, great. So no, I don't know. Um, probably. Uh, I guess one impression that I've done that I haven't really seen anyone really do is Ben Shapiro. Um, no way. <clears> what yeah. do you do for Ben? I say, well, welcome to the Brent Pelletier <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's actually one of the best podcasts on the planet. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't subscribed to Brent Pella's podcast, it's, it's actually, it's actually nonsense. If you haven't subscribed to Brent Pella, so just make sure to do that, guys. And also, blinds, we need them, right? One eight hundred blinds dot com. If you guys want to use the promo code hashtag Ben, it's it's twenty five percent off your first purchase, guys. So it's really, oh my god, yeah. His words are like yes, on top very, of each very, other, like, yeah, on top of each other. Very fast paced, very intellectual, very very concise, very specific. It's very. Sometimes I'll lose it though, but like I have, I have. It's very um. Kind of like nasally, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So I mean, that's kind of one I'm working on. Then like, I'm trying to do like, like, um, like some I don't know, like, like Theo Vaughn and stuff. Like, I've been trying to, yeah, uh, trying to yeah. work on Theo is tough, dude. But like, I don't know. Boom. It's it's uh it, it it podcasting opened up like a whole new avenue for sure. for that type of stuff because yeah. all these guys. I mean, I would never do an impression of a comic because yeah, I'm a yeah, comic, yeah. Actually, right? Actually, absolutely. But um, a comic on a podcast is like a whole different world. Sure, you know. So uh, yeah, I've I've been looking at like Brendan Shaw because I yeah. want to do. <laughs> we should do something, dude. Like that, that dude. would be hilarious, I'll be like, bro, bro. What the fuck, bro? Like, <laughs> Brendan's got like this. Have like, you been to the food trucks? Bro, like, bro, like, bro, bro. <laughs> oh, come on. Dude. And he just starts crying when you talk about like food trucks or something. Um, but yeah, dude. yeah, because I, I want to do like Joe Rogan talks to yeah, like a little yeah. mini series. Sure. Joe and Rogan I definitely, I, I, I want to do Alex Jones. That's oh, yeah. one I for sure want to do. Do you have? Do you have Alex Jones? I've I've messed around with Alex Jones just like on a story post or something. Okay. And he's just. <laughs> The Republicans are turning the frogs gay, Joe. They're turning the frogs oh, gay. The frogs are going to have sex with us. <laughs> Dude, your face got red. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I appreciate committing. appreciate you committing to that. Um, yeah. But he's no, a fun one. Alex, Alex Jones, I, he was in, he's from Texas, so he's got that, that Texas. Oh, right. Yeah, he's got that, that Texas draw. Dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Alex Jones, I've, I've dabbled in Alex Jones. I haven't really nailed it, though. Mm-hmm. Um. Like you've, it's how you, it's funny. I, when you see, when I see your impression, I, th- I think Alex Jones meets Bernie Sanders. Cause like, Oh, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, 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 they're in the same register. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah they, they have a very similar. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, yeah, dude, I've been like, just, I don't know. I wanted to, I wanted to put out a video of just like me in person, like, um, mm-hmm. of, uh, comics or whatever, or just like in their podcast, like podcasts where like you said, like, yeah, you podcast said, you know, impressions. Yeah. 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 Like Brendan Shaw. But then there's like, Theo Vaughn. Theo Vaughn. Like, come on, bro. Come on, dude. Come on, gang, gang. Gang, gang, dude. Gang, oh. gang. When I was a boy, we used to put firecrackers in squirrels' asses. <laughs> do cocaine off each other's and dicks. Fucking, uh, what's his name? Um, Brian Callen. Don't, don't. Hey, hey, yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, quit. Hey, don't. Don't. Don't do it. Don't. It's just, it's just, it's just Brian Callen just saying, don't. Don't, don't. Hey, 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 hey,
you you were big on Vine before everything else, right? Was that your first kind of yeah, introduction that was, to that was first the social gig. media world? <clears throat> first gig. I had a friend in college. She was like, hey, you should do this app. It's called Vine. And she showed me Chris D'Elia. Vines, actually. Oh, yeah. He was big on, on he Vine. He was. Yeah. That's how I found out who Chris was. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I started doing Vines and then I, you know, had a few, few videos pop off. And I think Vine was the first app that ever kind of bl- like blew people up over not overnight yeah. but like it made people famous or whatever it was it was never it gave you like notoriety yeah it was the first yeah app. i mean because Insta- people you could be instagram famous but it took a while you know it's yeah. gradual you didn't really become instagram famous because there was no Insta- there was no video on instagram at that right. point right so it, it was just for photographers yeah pretty much yeah and and like food whatever and food yeah right. assholes yeah. take pictures but now yeah. i i um it was like vine fame was a thing it's like oh yeah. vine famous and then oh instagram famous and then snapchat famous whatever yeah, but like I think that was the first platform that actually just blew people up like very quickly overnight, and people became a household name because of that. Or not household name. Who am I? Fuck right. me, right? You're right. <laughs> no household like frat, a household like frat name. House. You're a frat household I'm, I'm, name. I'm a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was how I got my start, and then just started doing impressions and beatboxing over there. Was that uh, like early twenties, college age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like twenty five, twenty six, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and then um. Instagram, the Vine and Vine croaked or whatever, and then I moved to Instagram. Still haven't really gotten into YouTube that much. Need mm-hmm. need to do that. I know I need to. Yeah. You know. Well, do you, um, do you put your sketches on YouTube the uh, same time you make a video? Yeah, sometimes. I, I sometimes felt, you yeah. don't really take it that seriously. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do social media, but I don't care about it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I do social media, but I do it kind of badly. But I do it however I want to do it, yeah. and sometimes it works, and sometimes it don't. <laughs> I do it however I want to do it. It's Chris <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's I do it thing. however I want to do it. I do it however I want to do it. It's fun for me. Like, dude, um, it's so funny because Chris Elia, I think, is like one of the people, I don't know about you, but for me, he's like this generation Jim Carrey. The reason why I say that is because whatever, when Jim Carrey was like, pop, like popping, everyone was like, alrighty then. Everyone was like quoting him and doing, yeah, like, doing all yeah. these things like this. Yeah. And everyone's like, hey, bro, hey, you know? Hey. Oh, you know, sure. like, okay. Uh, they do the, hmm? Or like, they do the, so bad. I've heard so many people, like, yeah, he's got his own yeah, language. Yeah, he's got his own lingo. He, he's like, you know what I mean? He's put his, um, his like catchphrases sure. into the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. got catchphrases, you know? He's, uh, yeah. he's got catchphrases. You know? Yeah, I think he'll come back. Yeah, he will. He's got to. You know? I'm, I'm rooting for it, to be honest with you. I'm yeah, I mean, I'm rooting back. for him, first and foremost, to not be a creep yeah, to girls. But if he is a creep, fuck that guy. Right. right, and if he's gonna be a creep, then don't support him. Yeah, if you don't want to, but don't not like not allow him to have a career. Sure. Yeah. Unless he does something illegal, and yes, you know that's different. I think. Um, yeah, but I I, well, I want to see Chris back. Yeah, I would love to. This next clip is from episode twenty three of the show with my homie Madison Morgan. Madison is an adult actor. Uh, based out of Vegas, and she came out to LA um, to do some work, and we ended up making a couple videos together. Uh, the uh, kind of videos that are allowed on YouTube is what we made together. Um, one of them is uh, when role play goes when 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 he takes role play too far, which it goes down as one of my top ten favorite things I've ever made for sure. Um, another one we made was. Uh, how couples share the bed, you know, when your arm gets stuck under it. Anyways, it's funny. Go check those out and enjoy this clip from episode 23 with Madison Morgan. What's like, what's like the weirdest fetish you've ever 
you've seen like someone do or like been asked to be a part of? So webcam is interesting because um, this even most porn people like you'll ask each other. Sorry, now we gotta wrap this up soon. But you'll be like, so what do you like? I, I like it because it's like, I have my test. Great. I have my test too. So what do you want me to do to you? Or what do you want me to not do to you? Like, we'll just flat out ask you, which is cool. Yeah. But no one really has anything weird. In por- it's funny because I'm like, someone's someone be into something weird. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have one guy who likes me to suck on his left nipple specifically. And I was like, all right. Like, his left? Not- yeah. Just the left one? He said he got a BMX accident and he had a full body cast. And then like he liked his left nipple, nipple sucked on because he couldn't do anything else. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, that's cool, but it's not that's really cool. like that weird yeah. or anything. Um, it's easy want to do. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I had this guy. His name was Seth, the lowercase s. Okay. Pops in my chat room. I'm like, okay. And then he takes me to a one-on-one show, and he's like, "Can I see your feet?" And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." He's a foot guy, so you know, I pop my feet up, and uh, he keeps calling me pal. I'm like that's something else, but mm. okay, yeah, pal, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's calling a pal, and then he um, turns on his camera, and then he just, like, plops down giant dildo. Like, uh, I'm like, oh, he's going to put it up his butt, whatever. <laughs> and um, he goes, okay, pal, so I'm going to suck on this dildo, and I want you to cheer for me and, like, clap for me like a cheerleader, and I want you to call me pal while I suck on this dildo. And I go, what? Oh, uh, and I still have my feet up. So I look like a moron. I'm like. i'm like okay (laughs) and he puts myself any any girlfriend you've had any woman anyone any of us i've ever known to shame as he just like goes to town on this dildo like i was inspired (laughs) and i'm still like yay pal go pal you can do pal yay pal no like cheering like a cheerleader yeah that's so weird. Oh, it was so funny. So at the end of it, I'm kind of like, you just like to suck on these like questions, Min- <laughs> many questions for a therapist if uh-huh. he has one. But anyways, he, I go, so do you ever put that up your butt? And he goes, no, that'd be gay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that would be gay. I'm like, all right, oh dude, whatever. God. <laughs> This next clip is with my good buddy, Dr. Gary Schiffler. Dr. Gary, man, we started uh, messaging each other on Instagram, and I really liked what he was doing. He was doing this, 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 uh, he's pra- he practices a type of medicine that's preventative um, rather than, uh, I forget the term he used, but preventative in the sense that you, you want to keep your body healthy so that you don't get sick. You don't want to treat yourself once you get sick. You just don't want to get sick. And, and there's a lot more uh, to his philosophies about medicine that I really love and enjoy. And he's just an awesome fucking guy. And I'm excited to bring him back on the podcast in 2021 for another uh, in-depth conversation. Um, but for now, please enjoy this clip from episode... Oh, man. What episode was this? <laughs> I got to stop doing that, dude. Episode 11. This was early on. I talked to Dr. Gary. So Dr. Gary Schiffler, or Schliffer, Schiffler? Oh, shit. I'm sorry, Gary. I might have spelled your fucking name wrong, dude. Let me see it right now. Dr. Gary Schliffer, S-H-L-I-F-E-R, at Dr. Gary Evolve on Instagram. Um, Check him out. I love the guy to death. We'll have him back on the podcast soon. And here's a clip from my conversation with Dr. Gary from episode 11. Archaic ideas about fasting 
which is yeah so important for human health is not eating sometimes and also just the um the messaging that we've been like programmed with right i i think you might have said it on a podcast that i listened to if not i'll just come off as brilliant and take it as my own which is totally fine but uh the the phrase breakfast is the most important meal of the day was that you yeah. did you say this <laughs> yeah so you said this on a podcast yeah. And it resonated so much because, dude, I've been skipping breakfast for like two years. Yeah. I don't eat breakfast. I don't know about breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast or dinner. The people who said <laughs> breakfast is the most important meal of the day were trying to sell you food fucking companies. breakfast, dude. That was a fucking food company. It was an ad line. Yeah. It was like saying Coca-Cola, enjoy it or whatever. Nike, just do it. It's the same phrasing, but it got so ingrained with people that now you can't imagine, most people can't imagine waking up and not eating right away. And the real mind fuck. <laughs> is that the doctors are just are in on it. They it's not that they're they don't know any better. Can you talk can you talk a little bit about like the the phys, what's physically happening to your physiology when you wake up and you don't eat right away or just the importance of fasting and kind of yeah. how that can relate to a healthy life and immune system. So as I went through this journey of figuring out nutrition, I have landed on this concept that Intermittent fasting or fasting in general is the most powerful intervention I can teach anyone, anyone of my patients or anyone listening. Mm -hmm. It's that important. Why? Because we are not meant to be in a chronically fed state. Yeah. It messes up our hormones. When you're eating all the time frequently, especially when that food includes uh, carbohydrates and sugars that are processed, spikes your insulin. Your hormone system goes on a like a like a roller coaster ride. Insulin goes up, that changes ghrelin, leptin, and a slew of other hormone levels. That affects your mood, your energy, and your body's ability to metabolize. Mm -hmm. um, if you're chronically eating all the time, especially with sugar, you're constantly dependent on carbs. There's this concept of carb dependency. And you downregulate the enzymes to burn fat. Burning fat is your body's sort of uh, more optimal way of, of creating energy. You burn fat, you create ketones. Everyone knows about ketosis now. Mm -hmm. uh, you create ketones, and your body uses that as energy. That is, a, for the most part, a better source of energy. Uh, your brain operates more clearly on it. Um, and then people will... You know, immediately I know people are thinking, oh, what about your blood sugar? Your liver makes sugar. We we can, it's called gluconeogenesis. You can make sugar. Your body is a robust system that maintains your pH, mm -hmm. your, your acid-base balance. It maintains your blood sugars. Uh, you know, as long as you feed it the right things. Now, when you're eating all the time, you put your body's hormone system completely out of whack. You're chronically in a fed state, so your gut never has a chance to clear itself and heal. On a cellular level, your mitochondria, which are the batteries inside of your cells, and a lot of people are hearing about mitochondrial health, and you'll hear about it because, again, it's, it's a driver of so much of the chronic disease. Your mitochondria start degrading in your cells, and they're not able to go through something called autophagy. Is that because they're working nonstop? Yeah, they're yeah. in this fed state. They're like constantly, and so they never get to recycle. There's no reset. You know, people talk about these like uh, fasts or, or like cleanses. Mm -hmm. Cleanse, the best cleanses are fasts, and it really does reset you. It resets you on a cellular level. It resets your gut, 
And through those processes, it resets your hormone system and your mood and your brain, and it gives you clarity. Yeah. Um, if you hope to, and sorry if I'm jumping around, but I'm trying to give like key points. If you hope to burn the fat on your legs or on your belly, your body has to be ready to burn that fat. Because uh, now if, if your body, if you're ingesting carbohydrates, like a high level of carbohydrates, your body will burn through the carbs first, right? It's like a path Before. of least resistance. Okay. Also, so it's easier for your body to burn carbs than it is to burn fat. Easier. It's like not the best word, but yeah, it's like a path of, if you don't burn those carbs, you have high blood sugar, blood sugar in, you know, sugar in your blood is poisonous. Oh, so that's it's why poisonous. Your okay. So your body can recognize, oh, I have a bunch of carbs in me and I have to burn through these carbs so that my blood sugar doesn't spike through the roof and I don't go like And poison my shit. Yeah. And furthermore, we, we didn't, you got to also step back into that evolutionary perspective. You've got to realize that our bodies are hunter gatherers. We've only yeah. been living in a, you know, agricultural society for a few thousand years, which is like a blip on the radar of, of radar of human evolution. Well, even, even less, though, right? Because the agricultural revolution wasn't until what two hundred years ago. No, I'm saying we've been like growing plants and like growing. ten, like yeah, ten thousand yeah, yeah. years. We're talking like ten thousand years. We've been something in that range that we've been like, but like having access day, huge farms. Th that I mean, that's where the obesity epidemic comes. Is now yeah. we're processing the grains, right? Right. Right. So, so this there's so much to this, but like, it's not just grains are bad, right? If you ferment grains, if you have them pre-digested by nature, uh, like fermented sourdough bread, it takes a really long time to make. It's super delicious, and it gets rid of this huge glycemic load, and it actually gives your body access to a lot of the nutrition. For people listening that are interested, Dr. Bill Schindler is this brilliant anthropologist, and he's so eloquent talking about this specifically how it's not about plants or animals or grains it's about how you eat them how they're processed and and for sure humans are evolved to process our food on some level cooking it mm -hmm. fermenting it uh like dairy fermented dairy is really great for you you know but yeah if you're yeah so it's more complicated than someone saying meat's bad for you veggies are good for you this is bad Sugar's bad. It's, it's a complicated system that people need to invest themselves into because nutrition is the anchor, the heart of human health. Mm -hmm. and, and just listening to a guru or seeing your most recent article or going to the store and seeing what they're labeling as healthy, it's not enough. Yeah. We need to like invest in our nutrition so that we're healthy. So I'm jumping all over the place, but basically fasting gives your body the ability to heal itself yeah. on a multitude of levels, most importantly on a cellular level and on a hormonal level. Mm -hmm. and, and the evidence is coming. When I went to school, which is not a long time ago, right? I've been out of residency for four years. They still vilified fasting and ketosis. Really? Um, when I started uh, making these recommendations, I was still at the hospital and I have multiple doctors come up to me and tell me it's dangerous. Hmm. And I said, no, it's not dangerous if you have a brain. What's dangerous is giving people 10 or 20 drugs and counting on them to take them right and counting on them to come back and, and like alter and like pretending that a human being should be on 10 or 20 drugs to be healthy. That's the, f that's the fantasy. That's the made up illusion of the last you know, 100 years of evidence-based and, and, and Western medicine. Mm -hmm. And again, it has a role. 
we could get into the Flexner reports and where Western medicine has its roots. And we're certainly good at, you know, emergency medicine and saving people's lives, you know, in a, in a, from, from injuries and, and, and even treating some cancers, right? But we are terrible at human health. Yeah. Like we can't make people healthy. All of my older doctor colleagues or people that continue to follow these old timey recommendations, their patients get sicker every year. It's not good diabetes management when every year or two you get a new drug. Yeah. That's not managing diabetes. That's called being addicted to drugs. And finally, I would like to say thank you one last time. I'm going to bring it home with a final clip between me and my buddy JP Sears um, from this three and a half hour long conversation that we had when I went down to visit him in Austin. Uh, psilocybin may or may not have been involved. And it was one of the most significant conversations I've ever had. That three and a half period of my life will live forever inside me uh, a, a, as a moment where, where I just I just had a wonderful time. It, it, was, it was a beautiful connection and it helped bring our relationship further. And now we're fucking. Now me and JP fuck all the time. It's, it's hardcore stuff, like really hardcore stuff. Uh, <laughs> So gross and weird. Um, I love JP to death, man. He's the man. Uh, so I, I would like to say a final thank you to you guys for uh, rocking with this podcast for as long as you have been. One episode, if this is your first episode, if this is your 42nd episode, whatever, dude. Thank you for chilling and catching these vibes, man. I really appreciate it. I hope you'll stick with me because um, as I grow, you grow, we grow together. And, and that's the meaning of life because one day we all go die and then there's no more growth. Um, so... Until then, we're going to have some fun, man. So please have some fun listening to this final clip from the conversation I had with my man, J.P. Sears, on episode 25. And for the record, I do believe in past lives. I think they're technically parallel lives. Parallel lives. Yeah, I was just thinking. We get into times of illusion, so past, present, future, like it maybe it all happening infinitely now. But we can't comprehend it all now because it overwhelms our human consciousness. Yeah. So we get to extrapolate it into the illusion of time so that we can actually have an experience and not be overwhelmed by the all knowing of it. Do you ever do you think there are ever crossovers in between the parallel lives that are going on? Do you what, think what like uh, like a, the theory of deja vu or um, mm. I mean, I think the Mandela effect is a little bit overrated and, and silly. But yeah. but any I don't know. Do you know what that is? The Mandela. Well, it, it seems like horseshit to me. Yeah, the it, Berenstein Bears. Yeah, that's and... that stuff is just like a, we a couple people had a spelling error. <laughs> All right, that's that's it. Okay, Mandela. I don't know. Um, so I think the Mandela effect is 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 garbage. But uh, the other theories of, I mean, deja vu is pretty is is a little bit tricky. I haven't heard it explained very well i've heard it explained in the sense that it's just your minds it's 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 the the um the neural pathways of your brain eliciting like misfiring sometimes but i will say this dude i have had dreams from years ago that end up happening and then i'll remember that I dreamt about it. This happened to me really wow. recently. This has happened maybe like four or five times 
where I've recognized I'm in the moment of something and I have the exact point of view that I had in a dream eight months ago. Wow. Completely irrelevant to the dream. It wasn't like last night. It wasn't a couple nights later. I am like, wow. like I'm in Chicago eating a piece of pizza at 2 a.m. on the street corner. And I look up at the lamppost and I'm like, holy that's fuck. The thing. That's the fucking lamppost that I dreamed about a year ago. Yeah. That just happened to me recently. And it's happened to me like four or five times. I, that's, I can't explain that. Was there a leak in the time-space continuum? As a, that's Perhaps. fascinating. Yeah. So with that deja vu, like I, I have, I, I've heard a few things about deja vu that I pay zero attention to, but here's some mushroom consciousness talking to you right Please. now. With our past parallel lives, but happening all right now, but like, let, I'll just call them past lives. For, no, let's call them fucking parallel lives. Let's, like, let's yeah. upgrade that. Yeah. So if the only thing that's separating us from them is lack of awareness, but you are there in the parallel lives as much as you are here, and there's just a meeting of awareness, like you, you're... That's missing. The beads on the scale. Yeah, yeah, One's yeah. on the right, one's on this part of the, this life. The other bead is on the left end, which is another life. And they, they sometimes like kiss for a millisecond. Yeah. and then. You know, another thought would be like the, the, like where is your awareness at in any given moment? Is it in the, the sleepy foot or is it going up through the alive parts of your body? Mm-hmm. You know, where you, what I was hypothesizing when we die, like we don't go anywhere new. We just become aware of where we've are, always been. What if like that deja vu, it's a point five second experience of your awareness just like expanding like oh yeah so the 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 other life that's happening right now you have a 0.5 second experience of oh that life it's almost like you're sharing a breath with that life at the same moment yeah real quick and maybe the sensation you have is a sensation of i was just remembered by so right or maybe you're in like the same exact pose. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I'll take you one step further. Um, and I've given this a lot of thought over the past couple of years is, you know, I do a lot of characters. You do a lot of characters. And where do these creative ideas come from? You know, they're mm-hmm. sometimes uh, they're, you just have a thought. You just, they just drop in, right? Or, or you have an inkling of a character or you just start doing a voice. What if all those characters that I've done are actual people that exist as me in these parallel timelines. Yeah. You know, the spiritual bro character, the douchey guy character, the fitness guy. What if all those guys exist in these wacky, crazy fucking worlds and they're dropping into my timeline and as ideas for me to portray because we're just crisscrossing consciousness. Indeed. And some would say ideas are real life forms that you give birth to or if you don't if you don't receive the idea you don't have the courage to express it then you have a miscarriage and it doesn't have life expressed to it just like okay this baby wants to be born through you but if you don't have sex or if you miscarry Mm -hmm. it doesn't get born through so 
some would say the same way like babies are alive and like wherever babies come from souls drop in Mm -hmm. maybe ideas are just as alive they just don't ideas don't vibrate at the physical plane until they drop into you and then you express them then when you're doing the bro character yeah that idea is now living on the physical plane using you as the hermit crab shell to embody until like personify videos over yeah that life ended yeah that the idea of that life that's why that's sometimes what i see these videos as are like windows into a reality that does exist yeah that exists like if if you could dive into the screen and go into that world it exists 100 percent yeah um and that's that's i try that's what i try to make our little windows you know, because it's fun to to step outside of this reality. Indeed, it's really fun. That's where I get a lot of my passion from for being creative is trying to create these different these like planes of existence that aren't of this reality that are an escape from Trump versus Biden, that are an escape yeah. from CNN versus Fox, that are an escape from all the shit. Just and just they exist in a different time and space on a different plane yeah and you can visit them for a couple minutes to yeah. escape and i think that that's uh entertainment in its greatest form is an escape yeah i, I f- yes and i think entertainment good entertainment always creates an escape from this reality either by taking us away from this reality or deeper into this reality yeah thereby still shattering this reality because now we have to know the reality from a deeper perspective Mm -hmm. yeah i like that maybe